G'day guys, welcome back to the first episode back of the year, 2024, Tabbing in Crypto, here we come. Feels a bit different, doesn't it? It does feel a bit different. Pab, how was your New Year's? Oh, don't do this. <laughs> so we actually are recording this in 2023, for you guys listening to this in 2024. Yeah, so when you're listening, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Uh, hope you all had a great uh, break over the Christmas period. Um, well done. Let's get into it. <laughs> So uh, we've got a bit of a special episode today. We're actually doing a 2024 predictions episode. So pretty exciting stuff. We did a pretty similar one last year and it went quite well. Yeah. Um, so we thought we'd do something similar here. We've brought on Melbourne Royalty, uh, the Investify boys, Anth and Zach. Welcome, lads. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you, guys. Um, so anyone listening, I guess uh, we've had you guys uh, on a few times, but what could you sort of you know, tell people about Investify and what Investify is all about? Yeah, so we are a crypto education and research platform. Uh, so yeah, we essentially take people who you know either been in the markets for a while or you know very green and uh, looking to get in, sort of help hold their hand and and teach them you know all the uh, all the right ways to get into the space, get into it safely, and also you know presenting some of the brightest opportunities in the space as well. So I'm heating up with our members at the moment for the upcoming bull run, and they're getting busy. Hey, mm. yeah, it's getting busy. It's getting busy. Excellent. What are you finding? Are you finding like existing members are starting to use the platform a bit more? Are you seeing more like new members come on board? Yeah, we've definitely seen activity on the dashboard and the app increase a lot more, but also a lot of old members who discontinued their membership, you know, in the in the bear market have come back. Um, yep. And as well as seeing some new members, it's very correlated to, you know, the price of Bitcoin. Bitcoin might have a good day or two, and then suddenly you see these new members just flock over to the platform, which is great. So um, no, it's been a good time at Investified HQ. Yeah, well, luckily for those guys, I guess we're still pretty early yep. in this cycle. I saw a tweet the other day. If we're looking at this next cycle as a marathon, oh, yeah. although the bull run, we're about 10 kilometers in. So we've got to remain 42 kilometers of it. So we've got a remainder 32 to go. So unfortunately um, for everyone listening and in the crypto market at the moment, yours, well, what we think is still pretty early. Yep. So plenty of opportunities to come. This is going to be an exciting episode because it's so early. Yeah, absolutely. Let's dive straight into it. So like we mentioned, we're going to do a few predictions today, um, starting off with some general sort of market industry predictions to get us kicked off. What's the hottest topic at the moment? It's the ETF, isn't it? I know this episode probably comes out on the 4th of Jan, I think. Um, and we've got a pretty key deadline for that Bitcoin spot ETF on the 8th. Mm -hmm. Do you lads have any thoughts on that? Like, obviously, at this point, like people are starting to think it's going to get approved by then, but it's not guaranteed, right? Well, they're starting to make commercials and stuff. So for me, it's like pretty much yeah. dialed in. <laughs> yeah, pretty close to a sure thing. I mean, we've had the opportunity this year to really front run the institutions that are coming in. I think it's, you know, what we're seeing in the market at the moment, why Bitcoin keeps pushing higher, higher and higher. It's not retail money. I think it's definitely institutional money that's now coming in. They don't want to miss out on what is potentially to come. They want to make sure they're stacking their, stacking their bags, stacking the sats. I'll let you guys talk about it a little bit more, but I've got a sort of a flip to the, the story that's playing out. I, I sort of see I don't know, a few potential downsides to what's going on with this ETF. But yeah, I'll, I'll let you guys talk about it a bit first too. Juicy. Well, I mean, have you mentioned earlier this morning that you had a theory on why the uh, the ETF approval might not be as juicy as everyone thinks it's going to be? Yeah, uh, rabbit hole of a topic. I'm still trying to get my head around it. And we, like, we don't have exact wording on how it's going to be handled. But at the end of the day, it's like an agreement between, let's say, an ETF and a custodian. So be that coin spot. A coin spot. Coin spot. Base. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can't kill that. Never, <laughs> ever hear that. Um, <laughs> 
Um, but essentially, a lot of the buying might be done and then ETF lands and then all that happens actually in the spot market. It really just happens with that custodian. So they may not actually be going to market to purchase for the trust that the ETF is based off of. Like as people enter the ETF, that would potentially result in spot demand. But over time, it might just get to this point where there's an equal or pretty offset amount of buyers and sellers, and therefore there's no actual spot transactions happening. It's just these, the price, the, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, like it just tracks the ETF price and ETF sellers are then settling to ETF buyers. So that, that's like kind of my like, there's a swell, but there's like no big storm mm. scenario. And that's where we might just see price go accelerate, but there's just nothing there to catch it, to keep it going. Yep. Mm. So that's just a scenario that I'm planning for. We might see the opposite. And everyone looks at that gold chart when gold had an ETF and it just goes vertical, just goes bang. So like, mm. I'll prepare for both scenarios, but like, that's kind of like my, it's not all just up and to the right sort of mm. narrative. Yeah. I, I wonder if how much of it's just already been priced in is what yeah. I'm starting to get my like I, a few months ago i probably thought oh this is going to be really positive and when it happens the price is going to increase because we're going to see all this new retail adoption coming to the market through the atf but i think with the run that we've had in the last particularly you know month or six weeks i'm really starting to wonder if a lot of it has already been priced in and we get to the day where it's you know 100 percent announced and um, formalized and it might just be a bit more flattening i guess to to what we once thought mm-hmm I see this whole ETF play turning what is meant to be a, you know, what was meant to be a, a people's sort of retail coin in Bitcoin. That's sort of how it was designed and that's sort of how we've always known it to really turning into more of an institutional coin. You know, I think it makes it a lot trickier for retailers coming into the market to to do well. Because you, when you look at how bull and bear markets work, when bear markets, you know, strike, a, a lot of people lose out on that, right? So it's a select few, but with these bigger players coming in, it means there's even less retailers that can sort of be in profit at the end of the day because they have more full power within the market. So I've kind of looked at it, looking at it like they couldn't take it down with the SEC, you know, with the external regulations. So I was like, is this a play to come in and destruct it from the inside out? Oh, like, uh, yeah. Okay. It, so they're kind of, uh, you know, having this broader institutional influx so they can mm. sort of control the market rather than taking it down from the outside. So just another another take on what could be potentially happening. And that's more of probably a long-term play. I think short to midterm, I think there's going to be some yeah, really positive price movement from it. But yeah, in terms of the actual play that's going on, that's just what I'm starting to see. So you have a yeah. conspiracy theory there. Well, I like it. Yeah. yeah. So, I mind it. Yeah. yeah. Trojan horse. Um, yeah, Trojan horse. <laughs> <laughs> conspiracy theories, eh? Oh, yeah. I love a good one. So, yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, I guess that uh, takes me to my next point. I wouldn't say it's a groundbreaking prediction to say a bull market's going to occur in 2024, but as we know, like nothing's a sure thing. Do you see any reasons for why we won't see a bull market this year? Ah, uh, just quickly for me, I just can't see it not happening just because, you know, we've got all-time highs across US equities markets. We've got interest rates for the first time the Fed and the US have said outright we're reducing mm-hmm. and the, the sort of rhetoric's always been higher for longer up until literally a week ago. So, and I, you know, every other corner of the globe's talked about, oh yeah, drops are coming, but it um, looks like the final dominoes kind of fell for me in my interpretation of the market. So, you know, liquidity comes back, risk on assets thrive. Everything's cyclic, so they're not going to 
reduce rates to only increase them a month later. Like that's just not going to happen. That's not how it works. Yep. Uh, well, at least it's never happened before. Um, so yeah, for me, it's just like, it's pretty penciled in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got the harmoning as well. So it's just yeah. like, yeah. it's all yeah. just perfectly. It's, um, couldn't be orchestrated any more perfectly for a bull market. Yeah. yeah the, the stars are definitely aligning in that. Yeah. Aspect. I can't see an argument. We don't go into one, but when that is Q1, two, three or four, I'm not sure. Yep. Probably for me, I think around two or three, um, yep. so in the middle of the year. I agree with that one. Yeah, yeah, because I think um, an interesting one, if you guys have seen it, is um, election cycles every four yeah. years, and, and the election cycle year, it's always like sell off Q one, be it very temporary, and then the rest of the year is just gangbusters. So, yeah. mm-hmm. you imagine if Trump gets in, oh be baby, ballistic. <laughs> yeah, we won't go. Yeah, there. I, I, I personally think inflation is going to keep soaring next year i think that's from more lack of the uh qe that they'll start initiating again uh, so quantitative easing look i think int- interest rates so i think either quantitative easing will push the markets you know they'll go bonkers off that or cutting rates as well will i think give a lot of confidence to the markets too so i think there's a couple of you know either way i think it's it's gonna be positive for crypto markets anyway You've got black swan events that can obviously happen. Like, yeah, you know, we've got all these geopolitical tensions going on. We've got, yeah, there's a range of different things that could happen, which could, you know, prevent this inevitable type, you know, bull market. But yeah, other than that, I think we're all all good to uh, keep flying. Yeah, well, fingers crossed, right? We have a bull market because what have we two and a half years of bear market? Even yeah, longer. It's, it's, long yeah. it's been a it's been a long couple of years. So, I think we're due for some uh, some fun times ahead. <laughs> Let's dive into the next sort of segment of this potty, maybe a bit more juicier for the listeners. So we're going to touch on what we think are going to be the biggest narratives slash sectors within crypto next year, what's going to perform the best, um, what we've got our eye on, and then we're going to dive into some up and coming projects. So altcoins, everyone loves, you know, like an altcoin forecast. Uh, we'll do our yeah. best to keep it as non-financial advice and just let them know what we're doing. Research, Ted, what are you talking we're about? Just, we're just researching, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah. Anth, I know you have some key thoughts on some, a few narratives. Did you want to get us kicked off? Yeah, I'll start, Ted. I think gaming for me is the the first one that I think's going to explode in twenty twenty four and beyond. I think if we break it up into two parts, we've got the data side and the ease of understanding. So in traditional markets, gaming is already rapidly increasing. We know how big it is, and it's becoming more commercial as well through uh, advertising and esports. And the like, and I think I think the market is currently valued at around 250 billion, expected to be around 400 billion by 2028 or, or 2030 or, or something around that mark. Now you got research from Mazari that shows that despite a recent decline in funding, gaming has led all consumer application funding in Q3 of this year and was the third highest sector overall, raising around 155 million dollars. I think, and then Grandview Research, they predicted a 68% year-on-year growth for the industry from uh, now till 2023. So all the data suggests that gaming is increasing in the traditional world. Then you've got the ease of the un- ease of understanding, and for me, I'm a real uh, I wouldn't say a basic investor, but I-, I like to look at things from a real simplistic lens. And mm. you think of all the different themes in crypto, and you guys will talk about yours in the future. You got layer twos and stuff like that. A lot of everyday people in crypto don't understand what that means. And if you look at the gaming industry, it is just, it's, it's easy to understand. Cause as I said, it's such a, it's the thing that people have been doing when they grow up. It's something they do outside of crypto. So that people are going to flock to narratives that they understand. And as well as that, the industry is 
you know, it's more tangible. You can see the games, you can see where you're yeah. playing the games, the infrastructure and stuff like that. With again, when you talk about, you know, potentially DeFi layer twos and stuff like that, it is a bit harder to see. So for me, I, I'm really honing in on the gaming space, but I'm not going to, as well as being a simplistic investor, I'm also not a real risk, a risk on type of investor. So rather than specific games, I'm more focused on the studios, the infrastructure, launch pads, uh, the chains that they run on, et cetera, et cetera, rather than the games itself. Because if a game goes bust, your investment goes bust as well. Whereas mm-hmm. if you're back in the studios and the infrastructure and stuff like that, um, you know, it's a bit less risky because, you know, like a game or two can go wrong, but they're still there. So it's it's kind of like the equivalent of, you know, backing in a, a PS5 or the App Store rather than a specific game itself. Yeah. So nice. um, that's what I'm looking at personally. And if I'm going to go hone in further, I really think GambleFi, this, this new sub-nation is really good. Like, oh, like, yeah. Get around yeah. that. That's that's never been described that way. Well, at least I haven't heard it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I'm not going to say I made it up because I definitely didn't. But, <laughs> oh, <that's fine. laughs> it, it is it is something that's becoming a bit more prominent. You think about like gambling is so ingrained in our culture yep. again in the traditional world, and, and I don't condone gambling. And, and <laughs> um, but people love gambling, whether it's yeah at a casino or sports betting. Online gambling is impossible to trust. Like I personally wouldn't trust it. You don't know what the odds are. Um, mm being rigged by the house online. But gambling protocols that are built on chain can provide the odds for the game. You can look in the back end and actually see what the odds are. So you're a lot more trusting of these gambling protocols. Yeah, nice. I like that. Mm. Uh, I like how you were talking about um, if we just want to circle back to the game fi and the gaming, um, Web3 game in particular, you mentioned you're not really focusing on the individual games themselves, more on like the studios and the infrastructure and, and you know, everything that kind of supports these games and yep. able to you know perform the way they do what are the key kind of projects you're eyeing off in that space i think gamefi is this is the year for it to spread its wings uh like in the past you could argue the infrastructure wasn't there like you mentioned people like ilv they've been sitting on a product for a while i think like ilv still is like creating like an ecosystem to support other things as well like it is partial it's mm. both i think but um yeah imx yeah essentially like using that layer two tech that was so hot at the start of this year to be able to like remove that user experience of gas fees, signing transactions, like a lot of that can be sort of built in to be just like a seamless experience. And like, yeah, I guess it's two prong like what I would be looking at. I'd be looking at layer ones and layer twos that really fix the user experience problem because I still feel it's very, it's very dial up modem the way that blockchain currently operates and not everyone wants to get around that. You know, everyone wants that slick, seamless experience. So I think we're getting there closer and closer. And I think there's some pretty cool layer ones. One that comes to mind, XRD, Radix. Uh, they did some showcasing. Nothing specific to about their tech, but just the way that they're approaching problems from a first principles perspective. Like, how is the user experience going to be? Like, I just feel like that narrative is going to be more and more prominent, even from the likes of Ethereum, Solana, whatever. Like, they'll all be pushing. Like, Solana is a good, great example. They've had a crack at a mobile phone. Mm. You know, the saga, uh, the saga mm. that's recently gone gangbusters because it comes with the bonk airdrop and everyone's just trying to get the bonk on the phone. But like a lot of people criticize that phone. But at the end of the day, like that's that's a step of like trying to, you know, you're copying it on the chin. You're always going to get criticized bringing out a blockchain phone, but it's mm. it's for progression. So like I, I'm just interested yeah. to see what sort of comes out in that space. From an infrastructure point of view, I can't get away from that because it's usually the easiest place that I find value when doing research. Uh, I think paralyzed chains uh, will be a big theme. So that'll allow like, you know, you sign one contract, but it settles on two or three other chains at the same time. So that's how you get an ecosystem where something like, it doesn't matter if you're on Solana or Ethereum, you can basically combine the two together and operate across chains and through chains. Mm-hmm. 
So um, that's something that Slider can sort of currently do anyway, but it's more Ethereum. So just bridging that gap on the on the EVM, I think that'll be a big one. So um, product there, say SEI, and that's been running pretty hot lately. Be eyeing that one off, mm-hmm. to be honest. And then lastly, I think just it's a bit of a recent narrative. All the transaction fees going up on Bitcoin because of these inscriptions and ordinals and you know <laughs> NFTs on Bitcoin. All the mm. all the maxis are, are just raging. Bitcoin miners are loving it. I think they're making like something crazy, like sixty two mil a day in revenue just from <laughs> mining. Just as a, as an industry that was just breaking even a few weeks, like a few months ago. I think that'll be a big one for layer two disruption potentially. Mm-hmm. So we've got stacks in that ecosystem already, but I'd be paying attention in twenty twenty four. Are there any new and up and coming layer twos that get built on top of Bitcoin? So I think that'd be maybe one to watch as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, from my perspective, I'm going to be a bit boring here. I haven't got anything as exciting as gaming or, you know, ordinals and inscriptions, but I'm going to go back to uh, good old DeFi. Obviously, DeFi was probably the biggest narrative in the 2021 bull market. Um, It was fresh on the scene. And it absolutely went gangbusters and everyone was, you know, trying to earn yield on whatever they could and and trading on decentralized exchanges and probably, you know, buying shit coins they shouldn't have, right? We've kind of already seen that have a bit of a comeback. Obviously, in the bear market, DeFi probably took a bigger hit than any other sector in crypto. But, you know, since then, especially like in the back end of this year, we've already seen a huge comeback. You know, just on a day-to-day basis, I see people walking around the office talking about um, coins they've bought on, you know, the Solana network or some other decentralized exchange. So I think that's going to go I think to your again. point, like the liquid staking has yeah. been a big thing as well. Yeah, I want to touch on the liquid staking yeah. as well. I think that overtook like DEXs in terms yeah. of like the biggest um, revenue earner as part of like the DeFi ecosystem. Yeah, they were the biggest stakers for the Ethereum validator. Yeah, yeah. Too. And obviously like it was... um it like had a had a huge run because of the Ethereum staking, and um, that unlocked. So we saw projects like Rocket Pool and Lido DAO like having ridiculous total value locked. But yeah, then we're seeing other chains like uh, Celestia and say like you just mentioned, they've just introduced liquid staking. <laughs> Basically, means like it gives your say utility once it's locked up, or like you know once your ETH is locked up, you can still use it by getting this liquid staking derivative, right? Yep. So you can earn yield on your Ethereum. And then you can also use the derivative to do whatever you need to do, right? Mm. Simple. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, not not too exciting there, but I don't think you can deny um, the power of DeFi, especially with uh, you know the likes of Solana and Avalanche and all these layer twos that are now like facilitating DeFi. It's not just Ethereum anymore, like you know, which was the major player last cycle. I think we're going to see a lot more action on those other chains, um, particularly as they're more scalable, quicker, more efficient, you know, all the above. Mm-hmm. Definitely, oh. up. I can see them starting to take some market share away from, uh, yeah, the big guy Ethereum. Mm. Well, yeah, so I guess when I'm talking about some of the ones that I'm interested in, first of all, like when you're looking at how many coins there are on the market, there's, you know, what, 25,000 plus coins. There's not really a lot of legitimate crypto businesses or companies or, or tokens that have a real world use case. So it is very much a story game still in crypto. Don't get me wrong, there's still, you know, there are, companies out there in the crypto space that do have a use case and do have utility but um it's very very much story driven so i think there's there's a lot of narratives that will sort of come in and fade out and come in and fade out but there will be narratives as well and stories that sort of um stand the test of time and remain relatively stable throughout the the bull market and while i'm i'm keeping it pretty boring here as well but you know layer layer ones for me is, is something that you know tends to 
remain pretty relevant and steady throughout. And it's because it it comes with a lot of utility, you know, when you're looking at layer ones. And so there's there's many factors that can drive the value of the coin. It's not just, you know, one central point because they have, you know, layer one has so many different applications built on top of it. You know, it's decentralized exchanges, marketplaces, games, range of different things that can help generate activity and, you know, increase the value of these ecosystems. So I, I think we're going to... St- continue to see the rise of these legacy, you know, layer one chains, so chains that have been around for for a long time, such as your AVAX, your Ethereum, your Solanas, all the ones we've mentioned so far. Uh, but I think there's definitely where, where it's going to get really exciting is the upcoming, you know, layer ones that are starting to enter the scene at the moment. So, you know, they come in with this fresh technology, new ways to scale and make you know, like liquid staking, all these different features and and upgrades to um, these current you know, legacy layer ones that are going to be really exciting. So things like Casper, for example, is is one I really keep my eye on. Injective, say as the boys mentioned before, Celestia was some. Uh, yeah, look, they're just an example of some of the ones that we're keeping our eye on. But I think there's going to be a huge space. Yeah. And then, yeah, another one I'm looking at as well is the sort of AI and, and big data sector. I think. You know, since our, our good friend Sam Altman brought AI to every media outlet in 2022, uh, back in November with ChatGBT, I think well, that that sent the market absolutely humming around AI. So I think we're definitely going to see a lot more of that, especially you know as new versions of GBT come out as we start to get into artificial general intelligence and then conversations start to heat up around that. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of hype. Uh, around you know plays there as well so yeah definitely one to look out for we'll touch on one a little bit later too see for me the the ai narrative is is hard to deny but at the same time like yeah i use chat i think we all have on on at least one occasion um if not daily if not daily if you have yeah um rights pavs you know daily conversations for them and yeah it's great like it's it's fantastic um it's super advanced like it's it's easy to use all the above so i can understand like on off the back of that hype that like the the sort of crypto integrated ai coins will run but i just haven't seen any sort of like any anything promising from the the crypto ai space keep in mind i'm not in it daily i'm not in it you know in the thick of it but at the same time like is there any ai coins or any ai projects that are really making leaps and bounds in that space yeah so there's one in particular oh yeah there there are i I believe there are a few being built at the moment, being developed, they are still quite early days because, you know, the whole sector is relatively new. But I think there's going to be a lot of progress in it. One in particular called BitTensor, TAO. I I was actually watching it when the Discord was like a group of 50 people probably two years ago. The only way you could interact with it was was through mining it. And I I tried to set up a miner at the time and it just blew my mind. You had to be a (laughs) developer to get involved with this thing, which would have been fantastic in hindsight, seeing what it's been able to do recently. Uh, But yeah, look, essentially, you know, because at the moment, training machine uh, learning models require an immense amount of resources that only corporations, you know, such as Google and OpenAI are able to afford. So you've got a project like BitTensor, which creates like an open source innovation model that allows you know, democratization of AI through like a peer-to-peer market. So people can contribute, you know, their AI tech, their innovations, their data into essentially this open source market where other people can feed into it. So it allows the market to be able to access the same sort of 
resources in a way to what OpenAI and Google would be able to use. So it uh, allows for a lot more innovation and it rewards the people who are contributing value okay. to mm. the ecosystem as well. So that makes sense. I, I see something like that being a, a, a very cool project in terms of how really the future of like really enhancing innovation with artificial intelligence. So that's one that I'm I'm looking at. Um, that's that launched back in March this year. It's done about four hundred percent since then. Still quite early days, just hitting about a billion dollar market cap. So yeah, that's that's one of the projects in particular. Yeah, cool. And, and just to go back to my point before of why I'm big on the gaming sector, like AI. I know it's can be a bit tricky, but for everyday people, they still get it. They're using it in their everyday lives, as you said. Your boys are using it, or perhaps using it daily. Um, <laughs> so like, whilst people don't know as much about all the different AI, like it's pretty surface level for a lot of people just with chat GPT. People are starting to talk about it more in the everyday world. So I think that mm. is going to cross over more um, as more retail adoption does come into crypto as well. True. And that's exactly what a narrative is, right? Yeah. yeah. It's a story. That's it. Well, the chat GPT had its 12 month or one year birthday, I think this week, which will oh, be wow. to go when by the time this comes live. And it's just scary to think how much AI has evolved. Oh, man. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, it was mm. like a decade or two AI technically, but it's just scary to think that we are so early in this. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It'll be interesting to see like um, what the SEC do to regulate AI. Because I think Gary Gensler mentioned it in, in one of his previous meetings. He said, uh, we'll, we'll worry about crypto later. Let's focus on AI for the time being. That's more of a concern. Yeah. And I, I kind of agree with him. As much as we talk shit about Gary, like the AI takeover is is a little bit scary. And people are already mm -hmm. saying like 30% of jobs will be redundant in five years and things like that. Like yeah. people, yeah, it's obviously like a bit doom and gloom. But with that, they said the same thing about the internet as well. Yeah, exactly. Social right. media, but what what it did, it created a whole new wave of, of jobs True. as well. Yep. So like, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what, how that plays out. But I, I think, you know, while it will take a lot of jobs, it'll also open a lot of jobs as well. Because someone's going to build these things. Someone's going to manage them. Someone's going to, yep. yeah, there's going to be a heap of roles built off the back. There's of a lot of work to upkeep and maintain yeah. those things, yeah. like working yeah. with them. Like, yeah, it's not like you just turn them on and leave them. There. Yeah, it's when they realize they don't need us anymore. That's when we're in trouble. And that's when we're in trouble. Yeah, mm. yeah. that's a T1000 situation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's AGI nice little Terminator reference there. Okay, <laughs> uh, mate, you said exactly what I was going to say. So that's embarrassing. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally word for word. Wow. <laughs> but there's bad eggs in every industry, like like Zach said, yeah. like the internet. Like there's there's a lot of good that's done on the internet. But there's also bad as well. You're going to get that in AI. Um, the, the only thing I'd say to that is where, where it does become scary is AI. It's more more multifaceted, so it's got the ability to it can do a lot a lot of good things better, and it could potentially do a lot of bad things more extreme as well. Anyway, that's uh, a kind of a gloomy look so we'll um not a good start yeah so <laughs> maybe we'll have a, an episode like a, an ai deep dive and we can really get down into the weeds of uh ai and, and the ai takeover <laughs> get the boys back on so I know like Zach and, and even Anthony, you touched on a few individual projects that are you, you're keeping your eye on in, in those particular narratives. But yeah, I wanted to kind of get everyone's thoughts on some other up and comers, some projects that we're keeping an eye on. Obviously, we mentioned that, you know, we're pretty likely to see a bull market this year. There's no guarantee, but we're looking pretty good in the lead up. I guess in a bull market, we've seen it before, like Bitcoin tends to to run first, particularly after that halving. When it's healthy. When it's like, a, like a healthy run, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then following is just the the old coin season, and that's when the the real DGens come out to play. Yeah, but 
I think we should be, you know, somewhat uh, intelligent and somewhat calculated with the altcoins that we're keeping on here. So, Pav, I might start with you. Um, you mentioned the the ordinals. You mentioned uh, you were talking about layer ones before. Like, what in particular are you keeping on and why? Yeah, I think like Zach hit it the nail on the head for me. Like, I can't get into something long term unless I see like what's the value proposition. So, mm -hmm. layer ones are like an easy place for anyone to start. Yeah, a lot of this other stuff might be quite theoretical, but essentially you know, a blockchain exists, blockchain needs a token to consume to maintain it. As mm -hmm. long as there's value locked in that network and people are transacting, it's going to use up more and more of that token. So that price should theoretically go up. So for me, it's layer ones. So, you know, Celestia, TIA and Say for the reasons I highlighted above. And for me, like this is like cycle number two for me. And I just, the, the one thing I remember was new coin narratives, shiny mm -hmm. new coins tend to run harder and faster. And you know, there's a lot of reasons why. It could be the text better. It could be just uh, the people that actually, you know, you can, you can think of it optimistically or cynically. Like you can mm. think about, oh, well, the people are just more clever at marking it up. It doesn't really matter. The price just goes up a, yeah. a lot more vertical. Yeah. Solana is a good one. Go back and look at what that did. Uh, yeah. It went from like 90 cents to almost 300 bucks mm. um, US. So they're the two for me. And then, um, yeah, to Ant's point, like gaming, like I would never ever try pick the next Axie Infinity. Like I would, but not in like a big meaningful way with capital. Yeah. So I'd rather bet on, you know, the infrastructure. So Beam, so Beam being like the way mm. that it, it is how you the user experience would interact with like blockchain gaming. Mm -hmm. I'd probably want to back something like that. Um, so that's um, that's kind of my top three. Yeah. Yeah. To touch on like the the layer ones you mentioned, Say yep. and Celestia. Celestia. Yeah. Um, you mentioned their new shiny coins and, and that typically, you know, plays in their favor. So from a fundamental perspective, I look at, you know, the total value locked on some of those layer ones, for instance, like Avalanche. Uh, what, are, what are the other ones we got? Uh, uh, at the moment? Yeah. yeah, Phantom Avalanche. Yeah, so the ones, Tron. so ones that have yeah. been around for a few years, like a bigger ecosystem, um, more total value locked, higher, you know, DeFi volumes. Like, why would someone look at that and then pick a new coin? So the current assets that exist, they're valued in the current market price to like that ecosystem and how it currently exists. Mm. So think about like again, like what Zach said, like. Uh, you know, Ethereum is a good example. It was the eighty percent of uh, smart contract execution, right? Yeah, it's slowly getting teary. Um, <laughs> no, it, it would um slowly, slowly like Ethereum will have to give away market share to other layer ones, right? And yeah. the same thing will happen with the guys that currently exist, like the current. I'm not going to call them dinosaurs, but like last cycle coins. Mm they need a lot of capital and growth to see far advancement unless there's like a massive change in their tokenomics. Mm. Not to dive into that right now. But alternately, you've got up and coming assets that are potentially not correctly priced in market. Right. And then you add to that growth, adoption, use cases, partnerships, whatever have you. And even to a certain point, like a lot of these projects, like say, for example, it's about interoperating between networks. Mm. So it may not even matter how big the total value locked actually is anymore. Like they may not even be a big factor anymore. Yeah. It's more good to do with like the execution layer. Yeah. As being a key key driver in user experience. So that's what I have to say about that pretty much. Like the two key points to highlight are yeah. more like advanced tech and then haven't really been correctly valued or they're still in price discovery, right? Would you well, say those are the two? Yeah, they just haven't had a cycle to like be priced. Yeah, yeah. okay, gotcha. Yeah. I think like people hear the the stories of you know the Solanas and the Maddocks and the you know, the terrorists crazy last, one last run mm, yeah and they want to they wanted that opportunity and so the only way to find that is to start taking on more risk and starting to go towards these you know new layer ones that have the sort of potential that these coins yeah. these legacy coins have already made it 
yeah, and, and hope that they'll be there one day as well. So I think that's a really big drive of why people would take on any more risk is and go to the smaller coins, even though yeah, these ones have runs on the board already, is because they're in search of yeah, greater returns and returns yeah. like I've seen with the, the big ones. Yeah, for sure. Uh, while you're at it, Zach, let's hear your projects that you've got your eye on. Yeah, so uh, I mean, I've mentioned one in a bit of depth before with Tau. Uh, but yeah, look, majority of my portfolios is layer one as well. I can't go past that, especially at the moment. The early stages of a uh, bull market is, you know, it's, I'll, I'll start sort of venturing off into the uh, mid small caps when the uptrend sort of solidifies a little bit more. But yeah, look at AVAX for me. I'm huge on Solana as, as we all are. Links, Link never really took my fancy, but it's, it's, come into my portfolio recently so to see that as being one of the like true components for adoption and how yeah. we link the real world with the, the crypto world so that yeah a couple of boring picks there but yeah looking at a new layer one like caspar so sort of, sort of acting as a digital silver to bitcoin so bitcoins as we, we see as the digital gold and so caspar comes in very similar tech proof of work but operates a lot quicker able to host smart contracts micro transactions um so something that really there's a lot of use case for it's absolutely blowing up um, from a computer uh, community sorry, standpoint, uh, but also in terms of you know, their work on the ground as well. So they're trying to get into a lot of merchants at the moment globally. So, yeah, so there's, there's a really big long-term play going on with a coin like that too. So yeah, that's obviously uh, other lay ones like we've mentioned, um, like Celestia, all, all looking really promising too. So um, yeah. Nice. That's fine. Yeah, Casper's got a really vocal community. So vocal, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's like what Solana used to be like back in the day. I remember. Yeah. yeah. It was huge. That's really promising. Community's a massive driver for crypto projects as well because, you know, you want to see that there's love for uh, what you're investing in because where there's love, there's, you know, more capital that will come in. So absolutely. Well said. (laughs) (laughs) And let's hear yours, mate. For me, yeah. yeah, As Pav said with Beam, I really like Beam. I like that it's not a, you know, specific game. It's the infrastructure behind. So again, it's less risky and more versatile in in what you can do with it. Um, I agree with Casper as well. And also another one is VRA or Veracity, which um, I feel like I can't say without mentioning Rich's name because he's been (laughs) talking to us about it for 12 months. (laughs) You guys are laughing. Sounds like he's been talking to you about it as well. I was in Melbourne for a day and he told me about VRA. So yeah. Shout out to Rich, friend of the show. Um, <laughs> but I also like it because it's, it plays in the um, marketing and advertising space, which is um, yeah. something that I've got a background in. So I, I understand it, um, which again, going back to like my investing strategy and what I was saying before about narratives, I like to invest in things I understand. And I think that's what a lot of people would do as well. But why I like it is it does a lot in the space of ensuring um, validity of views and you know, ensuring that there's no bots and fake traffic and stuff like that by um, incentivizing or rewarding viewers with VRA token for yeah, watching videos and games and stuff like that. So I think that's a really good one to watch. Mm. Mm. I'll just quickly run off on mine. Similar to what you guys were saying, like I'm basing my portfolio allocation around different narratives and different sectors. So obviously Bitcoin, you can't really go past it. That's going to probably make up the bulk of my portfolio. But then, yeah, I'm looking at layer one. So we've already touched on a bunch of times, Solana and then Sui. So yeah, I, I can't confidently say that Sui is better than all the other, you know, new layer ones on the on the block. But you know, you got to have a bit of conviction about these things. Um, so you, you got a good team. Um, you're already seeing like Dex volumes on the on the up and comer. Just like from a fundamental aspect, I think Sui's 
looking okay. Um, so, and then at the DeFi aspect, so liquid staking, the two big players there, I'm keeping an eye on a rocket pool. They're based out of Brisbane here um, and I've actually met them. So they're nice guys. Um, and then also Lido Dow. So Lido Dow is the biggest liquid staking protocol yep. um, on the market. That's a good shout. Like, you know, let's say layer ones, that all the ones we talk about are successful. They're going to need things like Lido Dow, right? Yeah. And that's, that's a good way to think of it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And it's so big at this point. I think the Ethereum Lido DAO's derivative mm. was like ranking in the top 10 market yeah. and still mm. is. Yeah. So that just shows you how much people are using Lido and then using the Ethereum derivative as well. Yep. I mean, then, yep. and then lastly, I don't think we've touched on it this episode, but we've talked about it a lot in the past is layer twos. Yep. Um, I see like 2023 is like the year of the layer two. It's really, they've really come alive um, in terms of, you know, the amount of transactions that occur on these layer twos and then they're going to build their own ecosystems and you're going to be seeing like dexes pop up and Mate, layer, layer threes next year layer threes yeah yeah, yeah it actually could be you could be onto something there pal <laughs> um and i think yeah arbitrum so arb is uh is the leader in the layer two space and um even though optimism has had some real good you know headlines this year especially with like integrating the coinbase and facilitating their new layer two I'm still um, the leader by a fair margin in terms of, you know, a bunch of metrics, revenue, total value locked, a bunch of those key metrics. So it's it's tough to go past that one. Mm -hmm. Layer twos haven't performed fantastically this year, but we're still early days in yeah, terms I of think the they, token. They, they kicked off the start of the year, but like things just can't kick off and keep going. Like there's always a period yeah. of like it settles in the next... Mm -hmm. Next one starts up like yeah. yeah. There seems to be more focus on like those <laughs> layer, those new layer ones that yep. you're talking about, the Tui, Aptos, Celestia, yeah, uh, well. things like that. Yeah, I still think that layer twos will have their their time yep. in the sun. Yeah, cool. So that kind of finishes off that section. Before we finish up today, guys, I kind of wanted to play a fun little game. So we've all said that we think a bull market is coming next year. Typically means Bitcoin all time high, but you know. We can't guarantee anything here. So I kind of wanted to get your thoughts by December 31st, 2024, where will the, the Bitcoin price be? And on top of that, I want to hear like when will Bitcoin hit its all-time high, like a new all-time high? I reckon it's going to hit quite like in Q3. I'm thinking around October uh, and sort of finishing up at around 70, 80,000 by the end of uh, end of the year. Yeah, cool. So just for anyone listening, the Bitcoin all-time high is at, well, it was 69,000 USD, Apparently, about 90,000 AD, give or take. Yep. So you're saying, what was it, 72? Uh, 79,246. Bang on. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So we, we need to say a specific amount. So if we're right, that's like the, the hook for the rules that we'll do and we can share yeah. that. Who's going to go one above or under? That? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I want a decimal as well. <laughs> two, five. two five sorry cool 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 all righty you heard it here first all the headlines are going to be out tomorrow yep melbourne analyst picks all-time high in october <laughs> cool Anth. what about you mate uh i agree with zach's first part i think we're going to get uh all-time highs around yeah probably it's going to be q3 to be honest um but i think we'll then have a bit of a dip and i, I think we'll end the year on december 31st i reckon we'll be around the I'm going to say 69,461. It'll be around the, the price that we are as a, a current all-time high. And then yeah. I think going into 2025, we'll then zoom off yeah. again. Nice. Um, I'll go different to everyone else, even though they sound like really reasonable arguments. I'll go Q4 um, and I'll chuck it at oh, 150. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Why no, not? No reason. Why not? Just picked it out of the sky. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I would love to be different and say that we're not going to hit an all-time high in uh, 2024, but I just can't at this stage. Yeah, um, I'm too bullish. Yeah, come on, we all want it. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say, yeah, Q3 um, all-time high, and then December 31st, let's go with 92,000 USD. Yep. Ah. So I'm not as bullish as you, Pav, but yeah, yeah, we still like to see it. Fair. That's fine. That's fair. I like it. All right, boys. Well, um, thanks so much for joining us today. Do you have any closing thoughts uh, as we, you know, look forward to the rest of 2024? Oh, just, um, <laughs> just don't get scammed. <laughs> yeah, don't get scammed, <laughs> take profits, stay informed, keep listening to uh, to this show. Sign up to Investified. Yep. Sign up to Investified. You'll be right. Check, yeah, check out as many, I reckon, podcasts as you can right now, agnostic of us, because now's the time when you do your, your good DD on, like, who you're listening to. Because, yep. um everyone's right when the market's gone vertical and then yeah. they slowly yeah. go silent yeah just another thing is just yeah just be ready for it because yeah we're, we're still in in the calm of the storm at the moment mm-hmm. like when things start heating up if you haven't been through a cycle before it's absolutely ballistic and yeah. you'll see all your friends around you just going crazy media and you just you start rushing jumping into you know things because of fire all of a sudden you've got 30 positions and yeah. Nothing about the coins you're in, and and um, you know, you've got no strategy of how to exit. So, I think really getting clear on your exit strategy, um, understanding what you're actually entering, make sure it's manageable with you know the amount of time you can allocate to crypto and investing in this space, because you don't want to you know just let things tick over in the dark because this space changes very quickly. And um, yeah, it does. We look at last year what happened with uh, Celsius and um, with Terra and Anchor and all those kinds of projects. So, mm. yeah, just got to keep on top of it and, um, yes, stay ready. Yeah, and I think to Zach's point, like don't bite off more than you can chew. I think in the last bull market, I mean, even I fell victim to it being in all of these different projects. Oh, yeah. I yeah. out of FOMO and, again, to Zach's point, I had no idea what the majority of them did or probably half of them did. So like this time around like we spoke about all these different narratives that we think will happen next year like find one that you really like and just focus on that i'm not saying you just have to stick to that narrative you can definitely search other narratives but really immerse yourself in one narrative understand it inside out find some tokens or coins in that sector that you really like and just stick to that if you if you go for the a broad approach you'll just you'll just get average results and lucky to even a positive result yeah, no, well said. And uh, we'll do the hard work for you all and tell you right now, uh, everyone in their first cycle will just chase. Like you literally just yeah. buy something, sell it the next day and jump into something else and be like, oh shit, that's up 40% now. Like yeah. that's going to happen if you yeah. if you play it that way. So sometimes you just got to stand by your convictions. Like you guys said, it's, it's definitely one of the quickest lessons you hopefully learn. Yeah, it's funny how you hear it so many times, especially in your first cycle, but yeah. you still don't listen to it. No. And you think <laughs> you're just going to get rich but when a coin keeps running forever yeah. and ever. When it's the case. <laughs> Cool. Awesome, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Check out the the video on YouTube. So we're posting full episodes on YouTube. Typically, we'll have the screen share there so you can kind of see the the charts that Pav is uh, looking at and headlines we're covering as well. So uh, make sure to give us a subscribe and a like there. And uh, yeah, keen for a big year. Yeah, we'll uh, definitely be in touch again. Team Investified. Thank you for having us. Cool. See ya. See ya. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for joining us for today's show. If you liked it, don't forget to head over to the gram and join us at Tapping Into Crypto. And before we finish up, just a general disclaimer that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. And the opinions on this podcast belong to individuals and are not affiliated with any companies mentioned. 
Any advice is general in nature and does not take into account your own personal situation. If you're looking to get advice, please seek out the help of a licensed financial advisor. We'll talk to you soon.